I'm Derek Thompson, the host of The Ringer podcast, Plain English. Look, a lot of news these days is kind of nonsense. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to ask the questions that matter from people who know more than I do about everything I'm curious about. And that's most things. Recession fears, AI hyperbole, psychology, productivity, China, war, streaming, movies, sports, you name it. The world without jargon, the news without bias. Plain English with Derek Thompson. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tara Palmieri. I'm Puck's senior political correspondent, and this is Somebody's Gotta Win. Peter, welcome to the show. Uh, I call Peter Schorch my Florida whisperer in my column, The Best and the Brightest, which you can subscribe to at puck.news slash Tara Palmieri. I always plug it at the end of the show. But he is the publisher of the influential Florida politics blog, and he's a Tallahassee insider uh, who writes about politics, but he also lobbies for one of Ron DeSantis' enemies, Disney. Um, they have a bit of a fractious relationship, um, although Ron DeSantis tends to seems to hate all of the press that isn't fawning. And he has this sort of bot army of conservative media, which we can talk about later. Um, it's just a strange phenomenon. I thought it was only for Trump, but he's managed to create his own uh, media ecosystem. But first, I want to get into the news of the week. This Gavin Newsom-Ron DeSantis debate on Thursday. Kind of weird, kind of random. Ron DeSantis running for president, but debating someone who isn't running for president. He's a very popular blue state governor, Gavin Newsom. I don't know. Let's make some predictions that we can ultimately get wrong later. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh it is, I, I feel like being in Florida and being like the Florida man, it's like kind of like this weird foreign bureau now to the rest of the country. Like, it's kind of like the way the London Bureau was, uh, like back in the, you know, the 40s and the 50s. It's this mysterious, treacherous world that people dip their toe into and then and then ru quickly run away from. Um, you know, mm. I've been following Ron DeSantis, you know, just for background, like he and I, you know, grew up basically in the same area, same community. We have a lot of friends, like like local, mutual, overlapping mm. friends. Baseball. Wait, Ron DeSantis has friends? I thought that was a, I thought that wasn't a thing. There is, there are people around here that will tell you. In fact, I remember having drinks with some people about three months ago who had just had, you know, met with Ron, and it was people that he had played college baseball with, uh, and so a lot of like the appointees to the local boards around here you can tell are always friends of ron but you know as it as it comes to the gavin newsom ron DeSantis thing i mean it wouldn't be a ringer podcast if we didn't like mix in you know a sports metaphor to me it feels like like a college bowl game um you know that nobody cares about um in a way that it's definitely not the national championship this is definitely not Donald Trump on stage. This is definitely not a presidential um, debate, but you know, in a lot of cases with college bowl games, it uh, it often predicts the future. And I say that as like a Florida State fan. Sometimes we'll play in these bowls, and it's like, hey, we ended the season great. Now we're looking forward to the next season. And I think that that's what Ron DeSantis is, is doing here. I think that that's what Gavin Newsom is doing here. You know, I think we're at the end stages of Ron DeSantis's campaign. Right. So we're looking. 
Is this a preview of the next national title game, the 2028? Jeez, 2028. So basically you're saying Ron might run again in 2028, which is interesting because I want to bring up something later on in the show, which I hope you'll hang on for about the possibility that maybe Casey could be the one. I've been on that. I've been on that bandwagon from, <laughs> from you know, uh, from day one that I think that they are setting Casey up to run. Although I you think governor though. the last month I've real like my, I, I, it's not that I don't think that they'll still position her. I we'll just, get to this later, though. Let's first, let's, yeah, okay. we'll talk about, we'll have our own <laughs> segment on Casey, but that's for, for the listeners to stick around for. First, let's just talk about what we think is going to go on with Gavin and Ron DeSantis. I agree with you. Um, I think that us political junkies, we live for this stuff and we just want to see the um, the showmanship, the gladiator fight um, and, and who's going to actually win. Um, I think... I personally think that DeSantis comes off too shouty and stiff and maybe he's trying to prove he's the most conservative of all of the candidates and like that's been his thing all along and he can't really do that on the debate stage where everyone else is sort of also trying to prove that they're the most conservative and maybe up against Gavin Newsom. He has that shot, but I don't know. Gavin Newsom is so much more, um, he's, he's just more polished. He's smoother. He's likable. Like, yeah, someone compared him to a used car salesman, but like even people like them, that's why they sell cars. Well, I don't know. I, I think DeSant- the one thing DeSantis has going for him is that it is kind of home field advantage with Sean Hannity as a moderator. I mean, that is that is a big advantage for DeSantis there. In fact, just because, I mean, DeSantis has probably appeared on Hannity's show a hundred times since 2012. Um, that would be an interesting stat to see, you know, how many times. And so he knows that cadence there. But that said, I think, you know, people have to remember, Ron DeSantis is not a good debater. Um, Yeah, he's not. One of the weaknesses that we've seen through his campaigns, even when he has won, you know, he he had some bad moments against Andrew Gillum in 2018. There's still gifs and memes out there about it, the way his face looked during that. And I will say the the one high point uh, for Charlie Chris, who I had worked for not uh, previously, not but not during the campaign was Charlie Chris really beat him during their one and only debate. So oh, right. this isn't like, we're not talking about, you know, Stephen Douglas getting out there and debating out here. We have somebody that's real. He's more of a, he's good for TV segments. I don't know if he's great for actual debates. Yeah. I mean, didn't Matt Gates have to write a note on his podium that said, be nice when they were practicing. I mean, not great. Um, I, I agree. I think he he comes off very stiff. Uh, having met both uh, Ron DeSantis and Governor Newsom, um, I, you know, the impression that I got from the two of them was very different. Ron DeSantis had a hard time looking you in the eye. He didn't really know how to deal with the press. Um, didn't even really want to engage. Newsom, on the other hand, really enjoys the press, almost kind of like has this, um, a, like, um, in, enjoys talking off the record, wants them around. Um, he's able to charm them. DeSantis has a hard time with charming people, I get, I get, I gather from him. And I think that's hurt him in terms of like the ground game, the retail politicking, although maybe that works in Iowa as long as you're talking about evangelical um, issues and you, you know, have the, you seem the most conservative that might work. But in terms of winning over the press, um, I would say Newsom is a winner. And I, I think that translates on TV as well. But 
we'll have to see. Uh, I also just wonder how many people are actually going to watch this. Like maybe 4 million, 2 million Democrats, 2 million Republicans. Like, does it really matter? And I think it'll be a bigger event quite honestly, on, you know, Twitter X than it will be as a TV um, event. And I think that it'll be more, you know, they'll be looking for little memes. And I mean, what it really is, what the real thing I think they want to do is get the one or two zingers and then pop that out to fundraising emails 20 minutes after the show closes, right? It, 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 it also gets, you know, it gives... It does give DeSantis, you know, a couple days of press during this should be kind of a slow time right now. Right. Like talking to the DeSantis camp just yesterday, you know, they are convinced that people are only now in Iowa turning on Um, like they like they say that, like in the polling, in the focus groups. Yes, they know who Donald Trump is, but they still don't know what they're doing yet. They don't know what they're motivated by. That's coming from internally. So they feel in a way that this is kind of a first step into the last stage of the of the Iowa campaign. I think what's really happening nationally, at least, and perhaps like you said in Iowa, is that no one is really paying attention to political news. And so this might be a desperate attempt for Ron DeSantis to break out. And it's just like, someone pay attention to me. And people were. He was the golden boy when he was polling above Trump because that was a big story after the disastrous midterms. And people thought, oh my God, there might be a new standard bearer in the Republican Party. Now he's continued to decline, decline. You know, now he's pulling what fourth, fifth in New Hampshire. He's, you know, jostling with Nikki Haley for second in Iowa. And this might just be his one moment because he hasn't been able to break through on the debate stage with the other Republicans there. He doesn't really do that well next to Nikki Haley. And Vivek is like such a sideshow that like, it's like Ron gets lost in that mix. I I I saw his Thanksgiving message uh, on Twitter, uh, which was not very good, by the way, which I know sounds petty for you know, you're really going to criticize somebody for their Thanksgiving message. Yes, because even that was not really well done. It was like poor. It was bad lighting, bad jacket, weird words. It was agree. It was grievous. Or uh, he was just angry still. But I thought then, and I, I've talked about this. Think about where he was last Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving of 2022. Riding high, just one re-election, 20 points. I mean, this it's like my Peloton stock. I mean, uh, <laughs> it is just, oh, it is just bo- bottomed out here in a way that I, I mean, I, 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 so a point that I really want to like get across as we kind of autopsy the last stages here is... <laughs> the last <laughs> stages. Wow, Peter. Well, Ron DeSantis should not be still in this race. Like if he was any other candidate, if he was Tim Pawlenty or Scott Walker, he would have dropped out. The only reason why he's still being allowed to stay in this race is because he moved money that he raised as a as governor and for his his reelection into a super PAC. A hundred million dollars, by the way. Yeah, If he doesn't have that, you would be writing that the Ron DeSantis campaign is broke. He should be getting out of the race. So he's got exactly. this artificial shelf life that that really should not like he shouldn't be on the stage right now. Now the money plays, you know, like they say in Vegas, the money plays. It doesn't matter where he got it from or you know what he got on the river. He's able to stay in this race because of the money in the super PAC. But if it wasn't for that, he would have been ran out of the race by now. I agree. I think you're totally right. Um, although. 
Nikki doesn't have his type of money, but uh, they were smarter with how they spent their campaign cash. And the DeSantis team just blew through campaign cash way too quickly. And then the multiple shakeups didn't help throughout the summer, switching through staffers and aides. And I'd written about this years ago, and I know that you, you've been aware of this, is that they had a hard time with staffing. They have a hard time with organization. They have a hard time with loyalists. Um, and that's where I wanted to kind of get to this latest. I mean, you know that it's it's not going well when people are coming to physical blows, okay? So we talked about this $100 million super PAC. It's run by this kind of Uber strategist, Jeff Rowe, who's got this huge company called Axiom. And they basically gobble up all of the big political consultancies in DC. And it's just like this huge network. And um, he is the chief strategist of Ron DeSantis's super PAC, Never Back Down. And he's sort of doing this Ted Cruz style model of running the campaign through the super PAC, right? So... The campaign, the, the super PAC shows up. They're the ones that have $100 million. The campaign maybe has a few million dollars and they throw events and they have a bus tour and they do mailers and they knock on doors. They do the ground game, the boat, like the polling, everything. They handle basically all of the duties of the campaign, but they're not actually a part of the campaign. They cannot coordinate with the campaign. They cannot speak to the principals. They can invite the principal, Ron DeSantis, to show up at an event that they threw. So there's just all this dis. Discon there's so much disconnect and it's led to a lot of internal fighting and people being frankly angry that the super PAC is a drag on the campaign. And the latest story from NBC, it was like a few weeks ago. First of all, the top executive of the super PAC, Chris Jankowski just steps down. He says it was well beyond a difference of strategic opinion. And then a longtime college friend of DeSantis who was at the super PAC starts getting in a fight with Jeff Rowe about the direction and, they had to be restrained. Rose apparently fumed to, to Scott. You have a stick up your ass, Scott. And then Wagner said, why don't you come over here and get it? Real, real mature, right? And he rose up from his chair and had to be restrained. So yeah, this is, this is an organization that is falling apart, this super PAC. And now they've splintered off and created another super PAC called Fight Right. I don't know, Peter, what do you make of all of this instability inside of the super PAC, which is essentially running, which is essentially keeping Ron DeSantis afloat. Like, can he survive on this like well, rickety ship? I almost sympathize uh, for you and the other national reporters who are, you know, who are tasked with writing personnel stories about who is running these different organizations, because by the time you get to the bottom of profiling somebody like a genera Peck uh, or, 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 or anybody they're she gone. was the campaign manager right. who was fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just as we get to, and there was all these stories. Getting to know you. Bye. You're gone. Yeah, exactly. But this is and the DeSantis so, thing. This has been happening since he was first became governor, right? Like his uh, chiefs of staffs, his campaign managers all leaving. I don't want to get, I don't want to, there are some other points I want to address, but I would say that the overall theme here is it's never Ron and Casey's fault. You know, that it's always the super PAC's fault. It's always the campaign manager's fault. It is always is always someone else's fault other than them than them examining, I guess, themselves as a should they be running for president or are the decisions that they are making the right decisions. You never you never hear that kind of internal debate. Like you never see a memo from somebody saying, you know. Maybe that Ron DeSantis should do this instead of doing that. And that's, I think, a larger point that we will 
that we'll talk, you know, all the books that come out about the presidential campaigns uh, in 2025, I think we'll look at that. You know, with, I, you know, I know Scott Wagner pretty well. He's, you know, he is a true Ron DeSantis loyalist. He's an appointee to several boards of, uh, of, of the governor, including an important water board that DeSantis um, it, it pays a lot of attention to. So for Scott Wagner to go with Jeff Rowe, that really meant something. That isn't like just like some junior staffer. That is somebody who has, I mean, I, if, if you go and like Google, you know, Ron DeSantis press conference, you're going to see Scott Wagner right behind Ron DeSantis, hundred of these things. The thing is, and, you know, I think that, you know, we in Florida kind of laugh at how much Jeff Rowe has just, you know, bamboozled people out of money. And there's been so many instances of this and he's never been able to do it in Florida. And so I feel very good that like once Jeff Rowe crosses the state line and he wants to be in Florida so bad, I think he had a house in Southwest Florida or has one, he has lost or has been ran out or his candidates have lost. And in this case, he is again, you know, he is coming up very short where the blame for Ron DeSantis, it's not going to end up with Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is not going to blame himself. But at the end of the day, Jeff Rowe is going to be who, you know, is uh, is blamed the most for whatever happens to Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And just and just real quick. So um, Jeff Rowe, obviously, uh, you are invited to come on the show. Um, <laughs> and I've said that many times before. And you know, a big part of the reason I'm sure that Ron DeSantis went with Jeff Rowe to do to create the Super Back Never Back Down was because it was something that they used on the Cruz campaign and Cruz was able to win in Iowa in 2016. And that is exactly what they're trying to do again. They want Ron DeSantis to cut off Trump right in Iowa with a big win. So they're going all or nothing in Iowa, spending going 99 counties, spending all their money there to try to cut Trump's nose off, right? having a former president lose the first, you know, contest is the thinking. Um, and that's been the strategy. It's just that now in New Hampshire, it didn't work. For, first of all, it didn't work for Ted Cruz. He never became the nominee. So just because he won Iowa, he didn't win. He didn't win New Hampshire. And it doesn't look like Ron DeSantis is in a good position to win either Iowa or New Hampshire. He's still 40 points behind Trump. Um, and in New Hampshire, he's polling really low. So this strategy, they're still sticking with it. They're, they're intent on it. They think they can make it happen. But time is running out. We're eight weeks away. No, seven weeks away from the Iowa Yeah, caucus. less than seven weeks. And I will say, you know, they... You know, in it, everybody's asking about Ron DeSantis right now. And I, I, I talked to their people. I talked to two of their senior people last night and they are you know it is they're not backing down from the strategy they're not never loving. back down <laughs> there is no, yeah it, it's never back down from iowa and you know they will make the argument that um especially as it is haley and you saw them trying to probably tweet some of this out you know their ba argument is if we drop out all of our voters go to trump if haley drops out all of her voters come to us so why doesn't she drop out um, now that argument, I don't know who they're making that argument to, but that is their argument right now. And they keep also saying, Hey, we've got the Ted Cruz army in Iowa. Our ground game is so strong. You're going to see it on January, I guess, January 15th. Um, and they are just, they are, I mean, they're more in love that in Iowa than, uh, you know, than Kevin Costner in field of dreams. I mean, maybe this time, I don't know. Is there any merit to the thought that this time around beating a former president in Iowa is bigger than for, than beating Trump when he was just a candidate in Iowa? 
Oh, I think, I mean, I think if Ron DeSantis, uh, quite honestly, if he comes within 10 points of of Trump at this point, I think he's still deeply in the race. Like, I, but he's I, not anywhere near that. I, I, I know he isn't. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if we're... They have to kill Nikki, then. That's the, the only the, way. The, the, the and I don't mean actually kill Nikki. <laughs> but you know the, what I'm saying. Uh, the spread on this right now, I mean, you know, I at some point, I think Trump's going to have to start managing expectations, right? Like, he's going to have to start managing upset, uh, you know, expectations. Because if he doesn't win by 20 points you know, they're going to turn this into a Clinton, New Hampshire, comeback kid story. Like that's the only, that's the only scenario for DeSantis now is somehow maybe he like, he get he whips Newsom tomorrow. Uh, Santa Claus delivers him some other surprises. Maybe, you know, some people decide to drop money into this. You know, I looked at the people who are behind the new uh, super PAC, Scott Ross, et cetera. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that is a, um, just because of the deep ties to the Republican Jewish conference of of Scott and, and Ron, I wonder if they were out in Vegas for the conference and people said, hey, we want to donate money, but we don't want to donate to Roe. So maybe, I, I don't know, like there's there's like some connections there that I'm still trying to fish out. Maybe some millions come in through there and they're able to get in a touchdown or two of Trump. That I think is the only way they can uh, they can move on. And then after that, you know, they're in danger. I thought fight right with the whole reason for that was because they didn't like some people thought that Never Back Down was too closely associated with Ron DeSantis. I mean, obviously, he needs to use the vehicle to actually run for president, but that they both used Never Back Down to be the campaign and also to run negative ads about Nikki Haley. And nobody likes to be too closely associated with negative ads. I mean, do you buy that? I mean, you know, it's funny because Taryn Fence. Who's the? She was the comms director for Ron DeSantis's gubernatorial campaign. Goes over to Never Back Down, uh, and then is over now at Fight Right. So it's like nobody. I don't think. I don't think the uh, an Iowa voter is going to be you know tricked by uh, the villains here in Scooby Doo uh, that it's not coming from Ron DeSantis at this point. I mean, I, I just. Although I do think I do love. I will say. Can we give one little plug to Donald Trump's campaign on how much they amplify Nikki Haley's attacks on Ron DeSantis? Because, you know, I mean, a, a Trump... Oh, I didn't press, really notice that, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, Trump press releases, I think, do get read. I think, you know, he yeah. puts stuff out and they they amplify all of, of DeSantis's attacks, all of Nikki Haley's attacks on DeSantis. And... Quite honestly, Nikki Haley doesn't have anywhere near the social media reach, anywhere near the press, you know, release or email level that uh, Donald Trump does. And I mean, that is just it's so smart. I'm sorry. It's just smart of Susie Wiles uh, and company down there doing that against Ron DeSantis. Because they know if DeSantis is out, they take his voters and then it's then it's a race between Nikki and and uh, Trump. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I would be surprised if, if I'm Donald Trump, I get one of my donors to give Nikki Haley another couple million dollars just, be, you know, to keep her in second place. Like, I do agree with the arithmetic of the DeSantis campaign where, yeah, if, DeS- if DeSantis dropped out tomorrow, all of his angry, uh, anti-Fauci, uh, you know, COVID war, uh, transgender- Maybe they could have a vague. No, they wouldn't. I think they go, no, I think they go right to Trump. I mean, they just go right. 
I mean, they they were with Trump. But what about the anti-Trump guys who are like, we need to, we just need someone who's not Trump that are with that are with DeSantis. I mean, that's I mean, you know, I, I, I can't keep I can't keep up with what we're supposed to do. Are we you know, like, are we using Trump to get rid of DeSantis because Biden couldn't beat him? But now we're worried about Nikki Haley. And I, honestly, I don't know what the playbook is. Um, and I think it goes back to the point you said earlier and that I think is true, which is I really don't think anybody is paying attention to it in Iowa. And I think the DeSantis polling, their polling is saying that the people are just not, I don't know if they're like overloaded right now, but they're just, uh, I, maybe they're angry. There just doesn't seem to be as much interest in in this as I would have thought there would be. And so that's why he needs to debate Newsom to get a little bit of love. He needs um, to do a bunch of stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I guess... Um, I don't know. To me, I see there's more momentum behind Nikki Haley, but, and DeSantis keeps, you know, declining, but you're right. Those voters may just decide that they want to go with Trump and the momentum isn't really going towards Nikki. I remember watching the first debate. I mean, and it's not, I mean, I guess it's who I talk to, you know, and we're always blinded by that. But I will say to a woman, um, all of the Republican women that I talked to that night about uh, about that first debate, and now these are people in the process, they've probably voted for DeSantis already. These are all Florida Republican women. They all were going to Nikki Haley. I mean, it was crazy how... It, now, that isn't enough to win Iowa by any means, and that's not enough to win a Republican. There aren't enough women in Iowa, huh? Yeah, oh, there's not <laughs> enough, there's not enough uh, Florida uh, lobbyists working in Iowa, although Iowa right now, flooded with Iowa right now is flooded for the lobby <laughs> from uh DeSantis world but still I do think that she is very attractive to that demographic she would which be, is actually like probably the demographic that would actually beat Biden in those yes, six swing yeah, states yeah it, um, pull off all those suburban women totally um she would be a much stronger candidate against Biden than Trump DeSantis etc um but yeah do you win the primary voters who knows Now, I want to get back to the idea of Casey, um, Casey DeSantis, because you would, you've been following them. Um, she's always been seen as the telegenic, secret weapon, likable, you know, mamas for DeSantis. She's guarded him. They were always, they've always been known as a unit that doesn't really take outside advice often. And they will cut off people they deem to be disloyal. And she's often the one who decides who's disloyal. And, um, you know, I've heard her referred to as Jillery DeSantis, because her name is actually Jill. Um, but they're referring to Hillary Clinton. Um, and it's this kind of idea that, you know, she could stand on the shoulders of her sort of flawed husband in the same way that Hillary Clinton did with Bill Clinton. Um, obviously, DeSantis's flaws are different than Hill, uh, Bill Clinton's flaws. Um, but, you know, he's, DeSantis is a bit awkward. He doesn't have quite the finesse that Casey, a former TV presenter, has. Um, now, are we saying that Casey DeSantis runs for president in 2028? Maybe. I mean, he's term limited. He can't run again for office. Um, he's served two terms as governor. Could she run for governor? I mean, she'd be up against people like um, Matt Gates, believe it or not, who's <laughs> popular in 
Florida. Yeah, I know. Byron Donalds, um, also another congressman who's popular in Florida. Uh, she was named Stateswoman of the Year by Florida GOP in 2024. And people who got that before her were Trump, her husband, Haley Barber, Mike Pompeo. So like, you know, she has a, she had a net favorability of 61% among Republican primary voters in Florida. She's got something there. At least that was before the campaign. Um, her husband certainly hasn't made a lot of friends in the state legislature with his uh, sticks, no carrots legislating. But, you know, does it really hurt Casey? Can she run for governor or did she just decide, you know what, my husband, people don't want to give money to him, but maybe they see me as the next... Um, as the next vehicle for the DeSantis brand model conservative republicanism? I don't know. Um, if anybody, I feel like you would have your finger on the pulse of this, Peter. What's, what is the thinking in, uh, in Florida? Right, so number one, you know, when Ron DeSantis loses here, and I think it is when as opposed to if, um, and I keep reminding everybody down here that that's what this is, he still has three legislative sessions. Like he's not like done at all. And so imagine, you know, I think people listening to this from a national audience will know what he's done with Disney and that kind of war. I think you're going to see two and a half years of wars like that. Um, and that is, and with that, I think you're going to see like, I don't think Ron, I, I, my metaphor is Ron DeSantis is going to come home drunk on Saturday night and kick the dog. And part of that, I think, is setting up Casey DeSantis to run um for governor in 2026 and that they're going to continue not just the DeSantis brand but this like moms for liberty um uh taking back the schools um you know getting you know anti-transgender i think all of that gets wrapped into a bow around Casey DeSantis they've they've positioned her already with a pretty good policy portfolio that she's, you know, she's been there on an, on the issue of resiliency. She's been there on mental health. She's been there. She's handled hurricane relief issues. Uh, she's been um, at She survived cancer. She survived cancer. Now, I will say, and I, you know, this is always delicate, but I follow them super, super closely. And I will say, I'll say two things um, that, you know, are still up for debate in a way. Number one, I would say, the rollout and Casey's involvement in the presidential campaign has been off. It has been weird. It has been less than what I thought she's it would be. She's sort of like, she's sort of drifted into the background recently. She right? has, she comes and goes, like, remember, she was not on the 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 bad launch on, on Twitter with Elon. Like, and where, you know, if, I mean, I don't go anywhere without my wife, Michelle. Um, I couldn't imagine announcing for president without Michelle next um, next to me. I wouldn't run for neighborhood association president without Michelle next to me. Um, although she would be better as neighborhood association president, just to put that in there. Um, <laughs> the um, the fact that Casey was absent, and then then she, but then she'll show up. Um, and then I will say also, um, Casey has taken a lot of hits on this campaign trail. There's been a lot of you know where they call her, you know, uh, uh, Walmart Melania. Um, yeah. It's all, I mean, wives are soft targets. They really are. It's terrible. I, but, you know, I like some of the like Laura Loomer crazy stuff out of the Trump world that she faked the cancer stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's not true, obviously, but it's not. And she had to, uh, you know, it broke my heart. She had, to, you know, she had to um, she had to talk about 
you know, because people were making fun of her hairline, quite honestly. And she had to say, hey, I had I struggled with wearing a wig, et cetera. And it was really heartbreaking. And I will say, like, there's something Ron DeSantis and I shared. Both of our wives got very, very sick during the pandemic at the same time uh, with different. And I just I, I know that that impacted Ron's psyche um, and it impacted mine. And I just I will tell you, like the I just feel like Casey has taken man, she has taken a lot on the chin on this campaign. And I just wonder, I, I don't doubt her strength, but I wonder if she wants to if she really does want to be a candidate on her own right after how nasty it's been um, for them in 2023. Yeah. Well, I mean, she certainly put herself out there, but you're right. She's she dips in and out, and I wonder if it's about the kids, it's about herself. But um, I think just the fact that people are even talking about her this way is interesting. Um, it shows that she's has some, you know, appeal, political power. Uh, how they plan to use it, we'll we'll have to see. I guess. Um, I don't know. Any last thoughts? I, I I I still think this behemoth of never back down that is a super PAC that is running the campaign will never really die until it runs out of money. But I don't know how you run out of all that money, right? It just seems like... Uh, we got to ask the uh, Jeb Bush 2016 campaign how you you know, you know go through that. I will say, oh, right. I sure. am fascinated, and Tallahassee is fascinating. Like, they're like, the idea of Hathos, I, I can't tell you how much glee there is in Tallahassee at uh, Icarus falling here from being too close to the sky. Like, there really is. Like, it is... There is, there are so many people that message me. They're just waiting for this guy to fall down, and it's, it's, it's. Kind, I mean, it's, it's, it is everywhere in Tallahassee, Miami, and throughout Florida politics. So it's going to be interesting, um, and we're watching to see how does he exit. Like, does he even? You know, Ron has never been. He's not a gracious individual to begin with. At some point, he's got to say, "I'm not running for president." And and we're interested to see how that actually comes out of his mouth, if it does. Um, or does he does he blame Joe Biden? I think that's what he does, by the way, also. I will say, I think he will end up blaming Joe Biden and the and the indictments and all of that and never really acknowledge uh his own shortcomings and, uh, on why he was not able to connect our voters. The problem is that like he raised a lot of money for some very wealthy donors, and I don't know that you can go back to that well again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, remember, there are a lot of these people. He collected a lot of $250,000 and $500,000 checks uh, from people because he was, you know, governor. Now, it will be interesting. I can, what I can see for Ron is uh, Never Back Down kind of doesn't shut down and he raises money still as governor for that. You know, there's a lot of interests here that are going to do a lot of things. And, you know, he could still raise another 50 to 100 million dollars over the next 3 years just being governor of Florida oh easily you know just having his you know think about i mean he's still collecting big sugar down there in oh, florida yeah. i mean you know <laughs> let me ask you this you don't think disney would put 10 million dollars into ron DeSantis's uh, uh never back down account right now if they could get back their special district hell yeah they would and you would know that because you work for them. <laughs> I don't, I don't, they are, they are close. We are closely aligned. I'll, let, let's leave it at, let, let's, let's keep it at that. I don't want to get in trouble with, the, with my friends. In okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that is, I think that wraps it up. Uh, we'll see how much longer DeSantis 
ends up on the campaign trail. Who knows? Maybe he'll get his lightning in a bottle kind of moment. And uh... it's it's a telling moment. I, I will say as we close out, if you need to know anything about the state of the Ron DeSantis campaign, just consider that our friends at Politico just reassigned Sally Goldenberg. She was the Florida. She was the reporter covering him. She's now the editor of the New York uh, branch. So political. Yeah, I've actually Sally and I go way back um, to the New York Post. Um, I I actually filled in for her in room nine, and then I ended up <laughs> taking her job when she moved on to cover. I think it was real estate, but um, I have another theory on that, and I think you're right about Sally getting reassigned. But Ad, uh, Eric Adams is in a lot of shit right now. And they could use a really well-sourced reporter well, I, right now. Well, you know in, what? I'm going to put it on you then. Why don't we get to see more of Tara Palmieri down in Miami <laughs> and Southwest Florida? I thought we were going to make you a Florida woman after I all. I know. I was in there a lot. And then it's just like the campaign change. And it's suddenly it's like every, it's in New Hampshire. It's in Iowa. It's in... I'm glad you got out. <laughs> yeah, no, I had, I had a good time, though. We Waiting on Ron to run, right? And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit. I uh, <laughs> called that one kind of early. I was like, I don't know if he's ready for primetime, but maybe he'll prove me wrong. Uh, he's welcome to come on the show as well. <laughs> Thanks so much, Peter. Appreciate All right, your thank time. Thank you for having me. Of course. That was another episode of Somebody's Gotta Win. I'm Tara Palmieri. Thanks for listening. I want to thank my producers, Devin Manzi and Connor Nevins. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate it, and share it with your friends. If you like my reporting, you can sign up for my newsletter at puck.news slash Tara Palmieri. You can use the discount code Tara20 for 20% off. I'll be back on Tuesday.